Hello, guys. Uh, so this is the first podcast I'm doing for Leading Men, and I have a fucking awesome guest to kick that off with, um, especially for me being a veteran. Um, Akshay, Akshay Nonavadi. Did I say it right? Yes, sir. Yes, you did. Yeah. Nice work. <laughs> he's an he's a ex-US Marine, and I'll allow him to introduce himself properly, but kind of um, this is going to be more going into um, both being vets, talking about kind of, um, I want to hear kind of Akshay's uh, experience of, of in the Marines and kind of uh, the transition phase, which is a big thing for me because not only for veterans, but this crosses over into, into men in all walks of life. And it's a really important aspect. And it's just like how we kind of hand, handle that mental and emotional kind of uh, overwhelm and situations and challenges by actually for, for us kind of using those skills that we've picked up um, from those years and how fucking critical and useful they are and how we can cultivate them and really need to fucking cultivate them like on a daily basis. Um, so I'm just going to hand it over to you, buddy. Just uh, I'd love to hear kind of a bit of your backstory from, um, well, even like join the Marines and kind of then your time in the Marines and kind of into, into kind of leaving in your transition. Sure. Yeah. I'll, I'll kind of give you my breakdown of my story that led me to who I am today. And then we can dive deeper into wherever you want to go from there. Sure. So, you know, my, my background, I'm originally from India. I was born in India, moved around a lot at a young age. I moved to Austin, Texas in the U S at about 13 years old. And soon after moving to Austin, I got very heavily into drugs, into alcohol. I was in a very dark place. I used to cut myself. I still have these scars on my arm, burn myself, just very self-destructive. I lost two friends to that lifestyle as well and was kind of heading down that path myself until one day when I saw the movie Black Hawk Down. Have you, I think we talked, yeah, you've seen the movie, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That movie was the trigger that changed my life. Like watching that movie and watching these men who voluntarily put themselves, you know, sacrifice their lives, put themselves in danger for another human being. It just triggered something in me that what kind of human being has that kind of courage? What kind of human being would do that for another and it made me question this very worthless, selfish, meaningless, purposeless existence I was living. And so almost overnight, you know, I read the book Black Hawk Down, started devouring book after book after book on military and life in combat, and almost overnight stopped doing drugs and decided to join the Marines. I wanted to join an institution where the good of the group matters more than the individual. You know, you were in the military. In the military, nobody gives a shit about your well-being, how good you feel. What matters is the mission and the men. And there's something tremendously beautiful about serving an institution like that. So it took me about a year and a half to get into the Marines because I have a blood disorder that two doctors told me would kill me in boot camp. I also have flat feet. I have scoliosis. I'm like a genetic mess. But the only reason I got in was it was kind of a post 9-11 world. So, you know, they needed bodies. Right. And so here was this young kid waiting, waiting to go into Marine Corps infantry. So eventually I got in and the Marines is where I started to find the beauty in adversity the beauty and fear. I fell in love with the struggle. I loved boot camp. I mean, I not only obviously survived, but I graduated infantry school as the honor graduate of my platoon. You know, I thrived in this experience of struggle. And so from there, I started looking for other ways to suffer, to confront my fears. And I used to do like outdoor, outdoor sports became my playground. I went into mountain climbing, cave diving, skydiving, scuba diving. I've broken four bones in three months from skydiving and rock climbing, you know, so you name it, like nature became my playground to explore the limitlessness of the human potential. But then in 2007, I was finally deployed to Iraq, which I was inevitably expecting would happen. Um, and I was deployed to Iraq as an infantry non-commissioned officer. 
one of my jobs among many out there was to walk in front of our vehicles to look for IEDs, look for bombs before they could be used to kill me and my fellow Marines. So as you might imagine, a fairly dangerous job because if somebody's going to get blown up first, right? Guess who would be? But ultimately, though, I thrived in that environment, too. I struggled at first, but felt, you know, I had developed a comfort with fear, with adversity and suffering and pain. Life at war was obviously not easy, but the, the experience was profound, you know, and uh, thrived out there. And then when I came back, though, that's when I had a slow descent into what eventually became rock bottom. I struggled with, you know, I was diagnosed with PTSD, struggled with depression, severe alcoholism. I was at a point in my life, man, like downing like a full 750 milliliter bottle of vodka a day and drinking a full bottle a day for days on end until just my body couldn't take it anymore. And one day after one of these binge sessions, I woke up and was seconds away from picking up a knife and slitting my wrist. And that moment was rock bottom. Like that's when, you know, it hit me that how could I even think that? How could I get to a point that that would even be a viable option I'm pondering, you know? And from there is when I was like, all right, something's got to change. So I began delving deep into neuroscience, psychology, spirituality to initially just to heal myself, but to figure out ultimately, how do we all navigate this experience of human suffering? Because of course, I'm not the only person who suffered. We all suffer in, in some way. And how do, we, how do we transcend that to experience bliss in the day-to-day content of this human experience? And that's what led me to now what I do, my brand fear of the work that I do to ultimately getting back into adventure sports. I'm now an ultra runner or mountain climber. I was just telling you about some polar expeditions I'm heading to in Antarctica and the Arctic and my business, my brand is all around this concept of fear of I wrote a book around the concept, which is ultimately to help people develop a positive relationship to the experience of fear, suffering, struggle of any kind, and use it as an access point to nirvana, to bliss, to enlightenment. And my life experience and all the research led me to now what I do with Fearvana. That's awesome, dude. It's been <laughs> a good journey. It's been, it's been a hell of a journey so far. Very blessed. A and direct <laughs> overview of your your experience. I mean, when like the big, uh, it's funny when you said that because you said this last time, and I didn't realize till afterwards uh, when you said you watched Black Hawk Down, and that was the the movie that made you join the Marines. Mine was uh, Under Siege with Steven Seagal. Oh, no way. Yeah. <laughs> I, was a, I was a chef. So it's like, he was the, he was the, he was the right. Special Forces chef, wasn't he, with the ponytail. Well, I didn't yeah. wear a ponytail. But uh, <laughs> it's funny how those things, like uh, when you're a kid, it's like you into a, into a, a life path. Absolutely. Um, and it's, it's things you said is about where you really enjoyed, like your experience in the Marines and you loved the kind of, the, the suffering in the sense of like, I guess, like, you know, the, the physical work and the kind of the discipline and the kind of the, 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 the standards as well. I mean, I mean, how old were you when you joined? Uh, by the time I, so I enlisted, I think at 17 or 18, okay. it took me about a year and a half. So by the time I got into boot camp, it was about 19. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cause it's like, as a young man, especially is just like, I mean, I was 16 when I joined, it was like, that was like almost like a gift is, and and like needed right it's like is because i talk a lot about kind of like this this fatherless culture and like lack of like real kind of masculine role models and like how many uh young men like carry that into adulthood and, be, and just still become lost as a because as a, you're a grown-ass adult means you should have all your shit together and, it, and it's like where really we're just dragging that kind of childhood stuff yeah and, and lack of direction into into being an adult where so many men become lost and kind of is 
and don't talk about that stuff because it's like because you're a man and you're supposed to project this image as a man and have all your shit together where inside you're actually kind of fucking suffering and struggling where a lot of men do but because it's kind of like that to do shit that we don't talk about it's just like where is men stay in that state for fucking way too long longer than it's yeah. necessary um and the, the thing as well is like interesting your perspective on this is like because i i see a lot and speak to a lot of like people that have been in the military that kind of and they say it's like you get institutionalized and i kind of get that is like for sure but it's also as well but is and there's there's like a, almost a, say like a reprogramming and a reconditioning and the reintegration period when you leave but but i found like is the tools and the mindset and the mentality and the kind of fortitude that is you getting that is like fucking invaluable and it's just like i only really had positive kind of experiences it obviously like is difficult times and like uh and kind of dark periods like again like you is like we we were deployed obviously not frontline like you but deployed down to the gulf for like afghanistan and iraq and all these sorts of things and it's intense like it's intense environments but i also feel that's like for a, for a young man, especially, that's like a, a really good environment to be in, especially when you're surrounded. This is the key, I think, when you're surrounded by other men. Um, yeah. I just want interested in, in your kind of view on that and that kind of your experience, because I hear a lot of like where it's kind of almost can be, can be quite resentful of that time in the military. Yeah, I understand what you mean. You know, like to me, I firstly, I mean, I treasure that experience. Yeah. Like, being a Marine is one of the proudest experiences of my life. The life, uh, the, the serving an institution where the good of the group matters more than the individual, the life experience that I gained is priceless, you know? And to your point about translating those skills, like the mental fortitude, the resilience, the camaraderie, the brotherhood, you, you, you know, you, you put everything on the line for something bigger the mission and the men matter more than your, yourself. I mean, that still translates to who I'm in my business. My number one value in my business, as well as my personal life is self-transcendence so that others may live. That's how I term it, you know? So those takeaways are like being a Marine is, has shaped my identity and who I am today and what I do. Yeah. But to the point about sort of institutionalized in being institutionalized, that is, I think, part of the struggle in transitioning out. Because when you're in the military, there's structure is assigned for you, yeah. and there's freedom in structure. Yeah. Because when you're when you don't have structure, then you are a slave to your feelings. You are a slave to whatever feels good. Like there's, I mean, this is not just sort of you know stuff I'm making up. There's neuroscience to back this up. Like the brain is naturally lazy. It's going to retreat to the laziest and easiest course of action. It wants to feel good in the moment because. Our brain is designed for an archaic time when we're, where survival was a constant threat. So we looked for comfort because comfort was not the norm. Today's world, comfort is the norm, right? So our brain, when it seeks that out, it does that because it's trained for a different environment. So inevitably, we struggle when, when, when we don't have that structure because our brain is going to retreat to the laziest easiest course of action to look for what feels good, to look for comfort. And we all know where that takes us, right? Like my, one of my mantras is if you don't seek out a worthy struggle, struggle is going to find you anyway. And we all inevitably suffer in that existential crisis if we don't have a worthy struggle to pursue. So that is a big challenge why I think that people come out of the military and they struggle. And as did I is, but, but that's just part of it. You know, part of it is the structure. Part of it is that if you if you look at these, the experience of war is very addictive, it in many ways meets all of the human needs. It, you have deep human connection, separate from all the politics of the war. Yeah, we shouldn't have gone in Iraq, this and the other thing. But on the ground, we're doing something meaningful. 
We were there to help the people. So you're, you have meaning, you have camaraderie, you have structure, you have intensity. So there's this high you're getting in the day-to-day experience that is like the mundane can never replicate that, right? Like it can never replicate the intensity of that experience. There's an aliveness you get. So if you look at these experiences of war, they are meeting all these kind of human needs, which makes war a deeply addictive experience, which you will get, but it's hard for some, like, so it's hard for, it sounds like I'm a war junkie, but that's not, that's not it. It's not that I'm a war junkie. There's obviously horrors to war, no doubt, but the elements of it make it very addictive so that when you leave it and now you've left that structure, you've left that, that all those, that, that connection, that camaraderie, that tribe, that meaning, that purpose, the mission, you come back to, to what, like some guy working in a shit job in Walmart, you know, like, well, how's that going to, inevitably there's going to be the, the, this deep crisis you go through. So the, the key and in, in what I learned, it, it obviously wasn't an overnight process. I struggled immensely. I didn't, I didn't come out and magically fix myself and was, oh, you know, like who I am today. But what I've now realized is after going through the rocky phases was taking from that experience, the, the lessons, the, the positives, pulling from it, pulling those lessons and applying it. So for example, the structure, like I live my life like a machine today with structure because I know there's freedom in structure. The rituals guide me, the structures guide me because if not, I'm a human being. I'm going to be a slave to my feelings, you know? So I've taken the elements of the Marines. I looked at it very consciously, like really assessed those experiences. What about it made it so profound and valuable? What can I take from that and now apply it, you know? But that transition needs to be guided. And and I mean, I could have, I take responsibility for my behavior, but that's a lot of stuff I didn't know at the time. And so I sort of, you know, retreat, like fell into this, this pattern of behavior that obviously wasn't helpful, but over the, over that time of kind of climbing out of that dark abyss through the research on understanding the science of the brain, understanding the psychology, understanding spiritually pulling from all these life experiences and saying, okay, what worked about this? What didn't work about this? What can I take from it? And then applying the lessons into my now who I am today has, is been invaluable. You know, that's, that's, but, but being a Marine has, is like a game changer. You just have to navigate that transition because Look, nobody's going to do it for you. And the truth be told is, I don't know how it is, you know, in, in the UK and stuff, but the tra- the transition, like the, the process, they don't guide you very well. At least in my experience, when I came back from Iraq, it wasn't, there could have been some stuff that could have been done better for sure. Now, ultimately, again, I take responsibility for my behavior and it's not about blaming anybody, uh, but you, everybody's going to have to navigate that transition yourself. You can't ask for the environment or the X, X, X uh, system, you know, or, or construct to do it for you. Nobody's going to do it for you. You got to take responsibility for that transition. And the way to do that is to pull from it what worked and what didn't work, you know? So, and then you're being very conscious about setting up those structures, figuring out the mistakes. You're going to make mistakes, but constantly like adapting as you do, you know? Yeah. And it's like all of what you were saying there is just like completely uh, resonates. And it's, uh, I think it's, like you say, it's like taking responsibility because you like you say you have to, but it's just like, I think it's the shock. I think it's like the culture shock. It like leaving it, see the unexpected of just like, you just think you're going to go and then just slide into life. Like everything's fine. And it's just like yeah. you know, this massive culture shock is like the big thing. And exactly like you said, it was kind of like a, a like a kind of a long process is of, of going through that. And it's like, it can be quite dark. Yeah, and, and like really, really test yourself. And like I say, it can take you to kind of rock bottom, but it's like the, the big things like you say is like, why did things feel easy in the military? It's like, because you had one of the most potent sources of structure that you can have. Yes. Yeah. Military structure. And without that is you just become, you become lost because you're a human. It's like, you don't have 
all of these skills that you've learned and then you leave and then you just have them still is like, oh, yeah. fuck, I've got to fucking carry these on myself. I've got to, I've got to create my own structure. I've got to, and like you said, it's like dissect my experiences and like, but from a kind of more conscious level yeah, uh, and, and a higher thinking of just like, okay, it's like, what did I, what kind of faculties that I have that like really fucking worked with me that are really useful and yeah. what is the kind of shit that I kind of want to leave behind that is like not going to be useful for me going forward yeah. like, like behavior wise. And it's like, take away the the good rather than just being like, kind of like, okay, I'm done with that now, move on. It's like, no, 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 you're leaving so much like behind yeah. that you need to actually get through that transition phase, but also to kind of actually go, oh, I need to still cultivate all this stuff. Um, I also, um, do you find as well that because you've had, because you have the experience in that kind of environment with that kind of level of intensity, that level of performance, um that kind of that that standard that is just like it's almost like you have to keep that as when you leave you have to kind of keep yourself to a standard is like because that dropping into complacency and and kind of what that feels like when you're used to operating at such a high standard and you leave yeah. it it kind of separates you from um let's say from like i suppose people who haven't had that experience right it's like you can seem like a fucking weirdo to people. It's just like, what the yeah. fuck are you doing? It's just like you're mental. And it's just like kind of like, yeah, but in a really good way because you have the luxury of having these experiences. And it's just like where you do you find is like you had to part of that struggle is to kind of create that structure and to cultivate all those uh, faculties, but also you gotta set yourself standards and you've got to fucking keep them, otherwise it's almost like death. Yeah, no, great question. You know, and I found initially what happened was, and this is not just with me, I've noticed with this many of my Marine buddies, is they leave and they almost go to the other side because we've built, been in so much structure yeah, yeah, yeah. You're out of it. You're like, because, you know, as much as we don't, I, I didn't, and most of us don't recognize it at the time, like when you're in the military, there's times when you absolutely hate the structure because you don't want to do it, but you're told to do it. You have to go do it anyway. And you're like, fuck this, you know, like I want nothing to do with this shit right now, but you have to go do it. And like only later do you realize how much freedom that provided. Like you don't have to think about going to the gym because they make your ass go for a run every day, whether you like it or not. Right now, outside of it, you have to get your ass out the door by yourself. So what happened with me and I've noticed with a lot of, a lot of military guys, they leave. And so they go the other side, like no structure, fuck any kind of discipline. I'm going to go ham on. Like, I didn't even make my bed for a while. Like everything, like fuck everything. It's going to be like this chaotic mess. And it wasn't, I wouldn't say that was a conscious choice, but yeah. it what was sort of what happened. Right. And then you realize that's obviously not a healthy, productive, or, you know, valuable way. So you kind of bring it back and then, and then you, then you find, so to, to now, to your point about that, sort of baseline that that that's that that like met that that way of life you know that standard of who i want to be for sure applies like that's who the fuck i am like that kind of person right who who lives by a standard lives by an ethos but it had to i had to sort of and this is not to say everybody has to go through that that road but i had to go through that road to get there it could have been a much faster journey for sure. There, you know, one can take those lessons and apply it much faster, but now it, it without a doubt stays with me. I mean, even to this day, when somebody, like if I ever have to do a one-liner introduction, let's say I'm doing a speech and somebody's like, you know, what's your one-liner? The first part is Marine Corps veteran, you know, Marine Corps veteran, adventurer, and author of Fear of Honor, whatever it may be. But that's the first line because 
that's the standard. Like that's who I am now. And I take from that and apply it into everything, into my ultra running, my business, my adventures, you know, and then now I've applied at a very high level, but to your point also about like, you do stand out in the rest of the world. People think you're like, I mean, to this day, people think I'm out of my fucking mind with the shit that I do, you know, but also being a veteran, like there's this, and this is part of the, the, the problem I think with how we view struggle and adversity and trauma in general, you know, to in the U S especially, and it's, I get it. It's coming from a place of love, but whenever people hear that I'm a veteran, there's often this sort of, Oh, poor you, you're probably fucked up in the head. Cause you've seen all kinds of shit. And there's this sense, like there's this, way they look at me that there's something wrong with me because I'm a a veteran who's been to war and I get it. It's coming from a place of love, right? Like there's sympathy, but the problem is it reinforces that I, that, that it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. It reinforces that ideal that trauma equals disorder, that war equals disorder. It doesn't have to be that way. Trauma can equals growth just as much as it can equal disorder. There is such a thing as post-traumatic growth. And there's a great study of this. Dr. Martin Seligman, he did this research where he went to West Point, the military academy here in the U.S., and he asked the cadets, how many of you have heard of PTSD? And like 95% of people raised their hand. And then he asked them, how many of you have heard the word, heard the term post-traumatic growth? And it was less than 5%. And the problem is it's become a self-fulfilling prophecy that trauma, that all these experiences lead to disorder instead of growth. And so without knowing it, we fall into the trap. We as human beings fall into the trap of, of, of actually aligning with that identity. So we go to war and we think we like, if we, again, we're not doing this consciously, but we're going to war and being like, I'm going to come back fucked up in the head. And so inevitably we come back and we're fucked up in the head. You know, like now I was fucked up before I left war. I was in all kinds of from all kinds of other reasons. But kidding aside, the point is that it becomes this like self-fulfilling prophecy from a in individual level and as well as a societal level that this is who we now are. And there's this view that you're kind of, you know, tainted, traumatized, scarred, beaten because of this. And then there's all kinds of stories I can tell you from like therapists who reinforce and again, not to demonize therapy. There's many great therapists, but many of the models that they're operating from are just deeply flawed. Like as a quick example, one therapist told my buddy that when a cucumber becomes a pickle, it can never go become, uh, become a cucumber again. You're like that pickle now because you've gone to war. And I'm, and I'm like, dude, what the fuck are you like? Why, how would you tell somebody that? Like, no, because you've gone now, you're completely fucked. You're scarred for life. You're going to be distraught. Not at all. These experiences now, when I look at them, are the most valuable sources of my growth that I could ever have experienced asked for, you know, I am blessed to have gone through even the, the moments when I was drinking and on the verge of suicide, obviously I wouldn't want that. Like I didn't, you know, nobody want that for anybody, but having gone through it, they have been incredible sources of growth, you know? So we differentiate ourselves from others through these experiences, but it's like to, I mean, the, where I'm going with this is to that answer that question is, you know, do it like the reintegration in the civilian world and people start seeing you a little differently. Uh, but it doesn't have to be that way because, again, we all go through shit. And we, when we view trauma as something beautiful, when we view suffering as something beautiful, it shifts how we approach it individually as well as collectively in a society. This is, yeah, that's absolutely true. And it's like, um, I, th- I think for, from, from my perspective, that was like leaving and it was kind of like seeing how other people's mentality and I just didn't understand it. I just didn't understand why... Um, it is how like that kind of almost like coming in as an outsider it seems like coming into like normal life again it's just like i didn't understand a lot of people's mentality yeah. there's that sense of belonging again because you belong to something uh very deeply intimate like with a with a with a group of men like and, and women but predominantly men in these intense environments you go through that together there's a deeper understanding of each other and the 
the mental and emotional effects that has, but it's like you, but you embrace that and you embrace that together. And there's something really powerful about that. And I realized that was something that I missed massively is that is your group of people. For sure. Just like you don't want to put yourself just into a group for the sake of it, because it's just like of where you come from and kind of in a way of like what you actually need, like, like who you are now. And it's that, so it's like, I remember I kind of dimmed my intensity down and like kind of is kind of that too muchness or too intense kind of dim that down because it seemed to like trigger people. Yeah. Like I kind of like got kind of conditioned in a way that I didn't want to. And it's that kind of is getting to a point where hang on a minute, this is, this is bullshit for me. It's like, this is bullshit. I, dude, I completely relate. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, then it's, that's when you start to look back and it's like, not seeing yourself as broken is like going through a lot of shit when you leave. But like not seeing yourself as broken, just being like, oh fuck, it's like I've got some shit to look at. I've got some shit. It's just like, and then you take the responsibility for that, even though it's extremely tough. And like, I don't know if you found, but finding people around you, whether that's friends or family, didn't quite understand or could could kind of even help you in that. And it's just like, okay, part of that journey is kind of not the lone wolf thing, but like where it's actually I've got to go and actually look into this myself. I'll go like like you as well, go and do your own research go and learn about these things is like, it's like self heal um, and, and kind of get yourself back on track because it's like, but I find is that, that all those tools is like that kind of that toolkit that we have that we don't realize at the time. It's just like, Oh shit, I've got these fucking tools that are amazing. that are actually like, that are actually part of my structure to, to be able to kind of take responsibility and self heal. And I feel very grateful for those experiences, but it's the, it's that, the same thing you said about, you know, if, if people see you as a veteran, it's kind of like, oh, you, you know, you must have gone through some, and you kind of like, it's like, yeah, but I loved it. Yeah. That, that's what people think it's like, oh, it must be really hard to be in that environment where you're told what to do. It's like, well, you choose to do it, but also it's fucking fun. It's like, it's in, full of adventure. And it's, it, it's an experience that is like, I can only wish that people could have for a certain amount of time. It's just yeah. like, it's completely grateful for it because that's like you say that's a part of almost like the structure of your identity that is for for men like talking about men is so fucking needed because we miss that direction and guidance like real kind of yeah it's like masculine direction and guidance and yes like in the military there's a lot of those masculine traits but there's also a lot of traits that we miss that i found and had to learn of going along after leaving it's like but again it's part of the development it's part of the growth and it's like you i think if you've had those experiences right it's like you you always give yourself no choice you put yourself in a position of like i have to keep this path going because if i drop below my baseline and i go into complacency it's like like i said before it's like it's like death and it's like depression numbness shitty energy just like fuck life and kind of mundane Absolutely, man. And that can be, you know, the, the, the mundane is, is hard, is hard to adjust to. And that's one of the struggles after coming out of military is you get addicted to that high, you know? And I mean, to this day, I seek it in different ways when I'm skiing, like in Antarctica, what I had to, you know, in a few weeks, I had to Antarctica, the intensity of that is profoundly beautiful, but I'm doing it from a very different place. Like I'm very conscious now of what I'm seeking, you know, I'm not running away from my demons, which I was at one point when I came back. But I've also learned to kind of embrace the normalcy of life and, and seeking my own way of adventure. But like, you know, to your point about what you were saying about these experiences and why we all need them, I think the like contrast is what gives life its flavor, you know, so the ups and downs, the suffering, the pain, like 
if you live your whole life as one static line, you are missing out on the adventure that is this human experience. You know, we all have our versions of what life is. I believe there's one of it, whether you believe there's multiple lives or not. The point is this one is pretty fucking valuable. And we like, when I look at my 36 years, dude, I have lived lifetimes worth of experience in my 36 years. And in those lifetimes worth of experience, a big part of that was these shitty experiences. I mean, dude, there's moments where I was sitting in war being like, fuck this. Why am I here? This absolutely sucks. But like, I'm so grateful for that experience. I'm so grateful for that experience. And so you need contrast to appreciate everything. Like I remember coming back from boot camp and sitting on a couch and just loving it, feeling so grateful to be on a couch. But the only reason the couch could feel that good was because I had it, like I had to experience without to know what with feels like, you know? So that's the key. That's why men in tribal cultures go through rites of passage because the suffering builds that. It builds you into something stronger, you know? But you need to go through that to evolve into that next version of yourself and playing that kind of adventure game of the contrast of the ups and downs. And now I constantly seek it. I'm like, right now, as I sleep in my bed, I literally every night, I'm like, oh, fucking warm bed, a blanket, because I know it's going to be gone soon. I'm going to be in Antarctica for two months, shivering my ass off at minus 40 degrees. And I'm going to love it when I'm out there. But right now it's like soaking in all of it. It just makes you appreciate the flavor that is this human experience, man. And it's fucking beautiful, but you've got to play on those edges to know what to, to experience it at its fullest. That's like a really good point that you made as well as like the, about like, oh, the warm blanket and things. It's like where is I think being in those environments where you're very stripped back to like really raw environments and you miss yeah. the smallest home comforts. It's just like, yeah. I think you, you build a much deeper appreciation and gratitude for life and the little things and kind of, it cuts a lot of that whining and complaining out that is just like that people have, because it's just like, again, it's like having those kind of experiences where you're very stripped back in kind of in raw environments and it's yeah. just like, but you enjoy that too. There's something really, in, there is something like really magnificent and enjoyable. It's about so pure, man. It's, but, but it also deepens. It's so pure when you're in those. Yeah, yeah it, it deepens that level of appreciation and gratitude for life and the little oh, things. Sure. Again, yeah. it's just like, I see as like one of those gifts. Um, there's, there's a couple more, things I'd like to touch on is like one is kind of like how you got uh, into kind of like with your book and the business that you do now. But first as well, is like, it's kind of as a veteran as well as like, it's interesting because it's like, I resonate with you. You're saying about like the, the spiritual aspect and, and kind of, because a lot of you know what you might see on kind of social media as being spiritual, this sort of thing is just like, sometimes is, is filled with a lot of bullshit, but it's just like, I, I, I'd like to, uh, I'd like to hear kind of your perspective on that as like a veteran and doing what you do and kind of like what that actually like means to you and like how you kind of cultivate that for yourself. Yeah. You know, for me, the, like the, it's all been a profound spiritual journey. You know, when I came back from Iraq, I went mountain climbing in the Himalayas, climbed Kilimanjaro. I've spent a month dragging 190 pounds sled for 350 miles across Greenland and ice cap and these spiritual. So I guess for me, the spirituality, if it all is, seeking a deeper connection, a oneness with all that is, including an alignment with the self, you know, mind, body, spirit aligned with myself, aligned within and without, aligned with humanity, aligned with earth. And these experiences on the edges allow you to taste life in a way that nothing else does. And that's why I seek them because they're, when you like to the point about when you strip away the comforts, like 
when you strip away the comforts, for one, it also makes you appreciate the comforts when you have them, which is beautiful. Because you like coming back from when I came back from Denali after three weeks, that hot shower was amazing. And the thing is that that hot shower, the only reason it can feel that good, everybody else who's taking a hot shower every day is not going to feel as good in that hot shower as I have felt just after coming back from three weeks on a mountain, right? So point is, it makes you appreciate and you feel so deeply the, the, the profundity of each moment like that. But it also, when you strip it all the way, why I love these experiences on the edge, there is something pure and profound about suffering. It breaks down all the masks we wear, all the constructs we put on, and it reveals the very essence of the human spirit at its absolute finest. And so to me, suffering is the in a way, kind of the essence of spirituality, you know, like, I mean, Buddhism also says life is suffering. And it says in a very pragmatic way, of course, because yes, we all will suffer. But I think there's more to it than that. Like, it's the essence of it. Because I mean, why do they say, for example, there's no atheists in foxholes? Because when you're on the edge, when your life is on the line, you pray to God, you're connected to God in a way and whatever God means to you, that word has different meanings to different people all over the world. And I get it. So I have my own version of what that word means to me. But whatever it means to you, when you're on the edge, when you're stripped of all the the facades of the human, like who of, of what this life is, and who we're told to be and who we think we should be, and you're just in the rawness that is suffering, in the purity of that experience, and all of that is gone, you get connected to something deeper. And that something deeper is God, the universe, yourself, all of it combined. And it is, I mean, it, it's hard to even describe how beautiful that experience is. Now, of course, the nature of suffering is that it inherently fucking sucks. It's suffering. It's miserable. It's painful. As an ultra runner, I experience it all the time. But outside of just that bear, like the pain of it, there you, you come to know God. You come to know the depth of, of who we are and one with all that is in a way that's hard to really describe. You can only experience it. But that's why playing on those edges when you like literally when you dance on the razor's edge of life and death and all of it, the, it awakens life in a way that nothing else does. And the fire for life, like it ignites it, it lights it the fuck up, like the passion for this human experience, you know, cause again, I got 36 years in me. I got maybe two more chunks of this time left, right? Maybe two, probably an hour more and a half, but one in that in that time you can live multiple lifetimes worth of experiences when you dance on these razor's edges when you go on these edges you can play you can you experience so much more that it's price i mean it's hard to it's hard to describe what that is man but it's it's it, it, it's it makes life worth living man it makes life it's the like to summarize it one of my favorite quotes is from vince lombardi one of the greatest football coaches coaches of all time he said i firmly believe that any man's finest hour the greatest fulfillment to all that he holds dear is that is that moment when he lies exhausted on the field of battle, victorious, you know, and that moment when you, when I finished a 24 hour run and everything fucking hurts and you're suffering and in pain, but that moment is it's life, man. It's the most profound thing you'll ever experience. I love that, buddy. I love your explanation of that. And I really love that. It's just like where you don't try and kind of put it into words because it's, it's, it's like, it's, it's those experiences, the feeling, isn't it? It's the feelings like how can you describe such a feeling? It's like when it's only sort of been, it's like you can really understand if you experience and and you only understand that by going to your edges in like actually knowing where your edges are. That's the thing like think for so many men is like you not knowing where your edges are. It's like if you don't know where your edges are, you don't know who you are. 
is you don't you don't know your potential you don't know the possibility it's just like because you haven't gone in like uh, even like curiosity is that means it's like curiosity is just like okay where what's my potential what's possible is like where are my edges how can i go and find them it's like but is it's it's that it's saying in the suffering also find the suffering is very blissful and exciting and fun and enjoyable a big thing for me about all of this is like it's fun is like how can you inject fun into into like into those times of suffering and struggle like in, and I think there's a I think there's a big thing from the military of that as well because we're fucking sick and have dark <laughs> absolutely sense of humor that people dark, like, what yeah. the fuck? <laughs> it's just like where because and I find that again it's like one of those beautiful skills that we um, cultivate is like when you're in really fucking shitty times and like especially in times of war you're in a shit you've been like you've been on it for days weeks and months at a time and it's just relentless and intense all the time it's just like you've got to find fucking humor in that fuck yeah otherwise you're fucked yeah laughing and playing through it all is so 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 important yeah Yeah. that Vital. Like as an example, I just like for Antarctica, I bought this down, like one of the sort of gear things you need is a down shorts or down skirt. Skirts a little easier to put on when you have mittens on. So I got a down skirt and I intentionally got the hot pink version. So it's a, I'm going to be skiing in Antarctica with a hot pink down skirt. It's going to look fucking absurd. But the reason I got it is purely because of that. Like I know when I'm skiing in an Antarctic storm and the wind's blasting at me and I'm wearing a pink down skirt, I'm going to be laughing at the absurdity of it all. So like laughing playing through having a sense of humor about it is so that's why like guys in the military have this darkest sense of humor because yeah. you when you're well, i mean we always used to joke in iraq that not a body's gonna get blown up today because my job was to walk around these vehicles you know like we had we had like i remember one day we found we found these like ied these these ied parts and because i was the brown dude in the unit they were like dude not a body go pretend like you're making a bomb because i was the terrorist you know so i have me pretending like i'm making a bomb with all these ied parts because i was the quote-unquote terrorist <laughs> So we always just laughed about shit, but that's how you get through the hard times, man. That's how you get through the suffering. It is. And again, I, I feel as like that's, that's one of the most invaluable things to take from that because it's just like, it's like how you, it's how you adapt, isn't it? And how you, how you personally handle those situations and, and kind of what you go through. But in any, and it, not having to be in the military having those things, but it's like in any area of life is just like, Absolutely. can you approach it with a sense of playfulness and fun and like, people think well, well no because that's not because you're you know so you've got to kind of fall into the victimness of the struggle and the suffering is just like no that's a beautiful thing it's like you said it's like that when you're on your edges or even like when you're stripped back in your south yeah raw and feeling like rock bottom is just like there's fucking gratitude in that there's there's gratitude and appreciation in that sense it's just like where you're seeing yourself in the most stripped back and yeah. more places that you haven't seen before or been to and it's just like that's that's kind of there's there's, there's almost something beautiful that probably doesn't feel like at the time but it's just like again it's just but how do you respond to that and it's just like yeah. and part of that I feel is just like if you can find fun and play in there it's just like yeah. you're fucking good there's a Latin term called uh, amor fati which means love fate and the con the idea of love fate the idea the concept of is it's look, it's easy to feel grateful when life is going good. It's yeah. easy. Everybody can do it. The idea is, can you love fate when life isn't going so good? 
can you, can you feel grateful for that too? That's what it's all about. So it's a mantra I use. I was using it on Denali. Like, you know, I found myself sometimes on Denali. You're like, I hope there's not a storm tomorrow. Right. But you can't control it. So instead of hoping for whether there's a storm or not a storm, I'm just going to hope for what is. And when you hope for what is inevitably, you'll always get what you hope for, because I'm just hoping for what is and whatever is, I will love it. I, I was like using that as a mantra. I'm more fati, love fate, whatever happens. I'm grateful for it. And I'm going to smile through it. And, and even that uh, part of like where it's like <laughs> you're going to get blown up today, like you're going to is send the brown dude out. He's potentially making a bomb and that. it's like, and that's the thing in love as well. Is like the non-PC part of the military. Oh, team. yeah. <laughs> it's like people are so easily fucking offended these days. It's like, it's ridiculous. But it also, also as well, the part of like where every man needs a touch of madness as well. Is like I really strongly believe in that is like every man needs a touch of madness and it's like because part of that is what allows you to kind of to even to think of like like some of the things you've done even to think of some of the things you've done and to go and do them and go oh, i'm gonna fucking go do this you're like what the fuck that's almost like insane and it's like yes but it's also fucking awesome it's like that's the part of like you said is those blissful experiences of of going to your edges and like understanding that once you get there there's just more and there's more and there's more. And that's like, it's kind of, that's like that spark of life and that adventure that like so many people miss. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, playing on that to the point about like being like touch of madness. I like that a lot. You know, we were t- chatting about this in our last call. Like I, uh, a few years ago, I went into a seven day darkness retreat and everybody thought I was fucking insane for that. My military buddies were like, dude, you know, we do that to torture people. And you're like paying for a vacation to go to a seven days in a darkness retreat. It was profound though, you know, but like, and I always, I always joke too. I'm always flirting a very fine line between madness and enlightenment, you know, and it is a fine line, right? <laughs> when you, when you flirt with these kind of things, but dude, like, that's what, like, th- th- that's where the, the, the lessons lie out there on those edges, you know, otherwise you're just staying where you, if you stay in what you always know, you're only going to get more of what you've always gotten. Yeah. Only, only by going far out into places you've never been before. Can you kind of open new doors that you've never opened before and find new treasures within, you know, that's the value in going to those places. And there's, there's actually a really good point that just came to me there from like, when you're talking about the darkness retreat of like going into the, like the, basically you're in like a room, fucking pitch black for seven days right 24 mm-hmm. 7 can't see your hand in front if you complete darkness for seven days and this is a thing about like when people talk about intensity where it's just like where you think intensity is like you know going to climb massive fucking mountains doing like really extreme physical um challenges etc but there's also is that which is i think some really good contrast is like but just sitting like all you, you're kind of doing is really is like not to dismiss it, but like, it's like, all you do really is like you're sat in a room, a pitch yeah, black yeah. room for a week. It's <laughs> yeah. just like, that's, you're not going out to do, you don't have to go and do that in like these yeah. climb, climb, climb massive mountains, go do extreme 24 hour runs and stuff like that. It's just like, but there's, I think sometimes that could even be even more intensive. Like if you're sat with yourself in the pitch black, zero distraction for a week, yeah, that would scare the fuck out of people more than going to do those. Hundred percent stillness. I would say is it's not a. It's not like if you ask people what scares you the most. I don't think anybody would ever say stillness. But I think the fear that almost all of us have, and we do everything we can to distract ourselves from ourselves. Man, like Carl Jung puts it beautifully. He says people will do it in anything, no matter how absurd, to avoid confronting their own soul. And we do that. We live in a world today where we're con- like, dude, you'll see this, man. You go into an airplane or or a, a train. 
and people will sit, be sitting there for less than 30 seconds. They'll pull out their phone, scroll through for nothing. They'll just do a little scroll through just to see something, put it away, scroll through, put it away because we can't be fucking still. That shit is hard. It is scary. It is. So to your point, I think it's even more, I mean, being the dark, the dark history was one of the most intense things I've done even more so than many of the other physical pursuits, because you're literally, you have nothing to fucking do. You're sitting in a dark room with nothing to do all day, every day for seven days. So you have nowhere to go, but within, and that's going to be, that is like, that ultimately is what the journey is all about. Like even these other things I do externally going to Antarctica, climbing mountains, ultimately the journey is within, you know, I'm not going there to, as Edmund Hillary said, it's not the mountain we conquer, but ourselves, you know? So that's what it's about. But the darkness retreat was a very extreme version of that in a different way. And that's why I love playing on these. It's a different kind of edge. Yeah. You know, like I, I'm good on the physical edges, like I confronted a lot and not to say it's any easier. It's always a challenge, but I wanted to confront new edges, the spiritual one, the stillness. And I'm always playing on different ones, like looking at what's the next thing that, that is going to test me. What's the next challenge to confront that is beyond anything I know, you know? And so I'm always looking for those new spaces to go into and see what will show up. I think that's the thing, as like I say, is like always playing and looking for those different uh, kind of the variety or the contrast of, of those kind of experiences. And the, the key thing there for you said is like the outward and the internal. So going to do, because we're like, especially as men, we're very outward focused, like kind of, you know, we're focused on like uh, the, the success and kind of the image and having all the things and like very external. But then it's just like, you see like a lot of, I suppose like high performers or or successful guys that are kind of get there and it's like but they're fucking dead inside and they're struggling inside and it's like I, I, what, I don't know where to go or what to do i think that's a difference in, in those type of experiences is like when you're going to do the mountains the antarctica the, the the runs and all this is like that's kind of like i think where we would naturally as men kind of be drawn towards i think rather than go and sit on your own in the fucking dark for a week you're like oh, no because you know so there's a part of you that knows that when you stop when you stop and you slow down and you be still like you said is fucking hard it doesn't matter who you are whether you've been in the military the marines whatever is like it's fucking hard because it's human and it's just like for, this is for everybody and it's just like to go to go inwards and just be sat there and be still and in silence with nothing to do, nothing to distract. There's a part of you that says, fuck no, because it knows it's scary and you'll be faced with yourself. You'll be faced with all the repression, the emotions, the thoughts is like how you fucking really yeah. actually look at yourself and feel about yourself and all this shit will come up to the surface. And it's just like, how do you handle that? And that's the thing. I think so many people don't, won't know how to handle that and you don't until you actually go into it that's the whole point right is put yourself in that situation and you'll kind of learn as you go but like you'll learn the tools and i, feel, I don't know about you but that's how i learned with a lot of this and bringing that into men's work was like going through that shit and putting yourself in situations where i know this is going to fucking yeah crack me open and, and take me inwards but that's what i want it's like actually going into that there's a different mentality exactly. and then like i'm just going to learn as i i'm just going to learn this as i fucking go yeah, that's the only way you're going to get the wisdom. You know, like I always distinguish there's knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is like learning from the books. Not to say that's not valuable. It's valuable. But the true wisdom is comes from that experience. And that is, you can never replace. Like that's where the real lessons lie, you know, only by stepping out onto those edges and gaining that wisdom. And then, I mean, a big part for me and you do the same thing. Is we go onto these edges, we get the wisdom and we bring it back to share. Because, But that's going to teach you things that 
no book can ever teach you. You know what I mean? You have to go into those spaces to really learn it. And so that's where, that's where the, as I always like to say, the greatest lessons are lie in the doing, you know, the greatest lessons lie in the doing. And so you got to go play on those edges to find out what you're going to find, to see what, see what you're going to find. And that's, that's the big thing for me is like where a lot of the work I do is like, it takes that experience from like, from thinking to feeling. So it's like, it's a, it's like a full experience. The, the, the actual going to do is the, the full experience where like I say reading something in the book and being able to recite something from a book. And like I have this knowledge is like, of course it's valuable. I fucking love reading. Is, yeah. I'm sure you do too. But it's like, there's, there's nothing that will beat actually living that experience and feeling Absolutely. all the things that come up with that experience. Because it's like, I have this thing of this, like where it's like, we're, we're all full of shit, right? We're all got bullshit. And it's just like, and we'll all convince ourselves and have stories that keep us away from that. But it's like the only way you're going to know for certain is if you put yourself in positions for that bullshit to come up and like you want it to come up so you can yeah. go, ah, so you can see the unseen. Yeah. And you can use that to grow rather than just reading something or sit in the classroom. And I think that's a good military thing too, because a lot of our stuff is like you don't just sit in classrooms. You go out and you 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 you're put in environments as practice and practice and practice for real-time environments, and they're as real as you can possibly get without being real. And 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 that is something that was a like a gem that kind of stayed with me is like don't just fucking read shit and think you know stuff put yourself in positions and and actually test yourself and test your bullshit and like that's where you get the wisdom that's where you get the experience and it's like a full body thing it's like a it's a feeling thing and that's the actual growth 100 percent, man 100 percent. yeah couldn't agree with you more um i kind of like to uh i think probably finish off is like talking about kind of like how you got into like obviously like writing your book was I think that was the first thing you did right was it so like how you kind of the book came about and kind of what that did for you and kind of and and where your kind of your business went from there and kind of what that's about sure yeah you know so when I went down that healing journey myself I wanted to now share what I'd learned you know share what I discovered the fundamental ethos of which is that the problem that Fearvana solves that I'm that I'm solved with my book as well as my business is the demonization of fear, stress, anxiety, suffering. I mean, anywhere you go in the world, when when people hear these words, they don't think of these as positive words. Yeah. Nobody thinks of fear, stress, anxiety, pain, suffering, adversity, struggle as positive words. We think of them as something bad. And inevitably, that's how we approach them. We they, we built a negative relationship to them. And the learnings that I went through as well as kind of everything we're talking about is that these are not bad things. Fear is not bad or good. It's whatever you choose it to be. Same thing with anything, stress, anxiety. These are very normal human emotions. They're not bad, but even like the biggest names in self-help and personal development, they will always demonize anxiety. They will teach you how to overcome it, beat it, right? You know, and I'm like, look, anxiety is part of it. Stop trying to fucking get rid of it or overcome it. Instead, use it. How can you learn from it? Take it and apply it, you know? So fundamentally the ethos of it is to, to combat the demonization of fear and suffering and say that it's an ax fear is not like like you know the essence of fearvana is that fear is not the antithesis of nirvana fear is the access point to it you know so how do we use it as an access point to bliss like and i you know i'd gone through this with my post-traumatic stress recognizing that post-traumatic stress does not mean disorder post-traumatic stress could also mean growth and so reframing how i viewed my own stress was invaluable in my own healing, you know? So it led me to initially just because wanting to share the lessons I had learned and help people reframe their fear. And I can't tell you how many people have written me saying just the idea, just the notion that fear, stress, and anxiety are not negative 
have been transformational because inevitably they all experience it from time, time to time. And the next time they experience it, they're like, oh, wait, this is not bad. I don't need to get rid of it because what happens is when we hear Joe Schmo expert, quote unquote, say that I should not be fearless, don't be scared, overcome anxiety, be you know stress-free. And then when we as human beings, we think there's something wrong with us because expert person out there said, I shouldn't be, I should be fearless, but there's nothing wrong with you. When you feel fear, when you feel stress, when you feel anxiety, when you feel guilt, when you feel anger, all these things are not bad emotions. They're more challenging emotions than calm, whatever, but they're not bad. They just are. Any emotion can be used valuably. Like as a quick example of that, you know, I struggled with survivor's guilt when I came back from the war, lost friends to the war, lost junior Marines to suicide. And for a long time, what I did was I put a picture of my friend that I lost in the war up on my wall. And it said, this should have been you earn this life. And my guilt became my ally. It became my fuel. It drove me to writing this book, to putting this message out there, you know? So guilt was not a bad emotion. It was a valuable emotion in that time. So anyway, so that's the essence of fear of Anna. And now with my business, you know, since the book that I've written the book, very blessed, it's doing well, it's making an impact. All the profits in the book are donated to charity. So we support many different causes like survivors of sex trafficking to former child soldiers, built a business around the brand. Initially, it was just life coaching, but now I do digital training programs. I have a monthly membership program called the Fear Chasers Alliance, where we go deeper into a lot of this kind of stuff on mastery and, and personal growth. Uh, we're launching like a clothing line, a supplement line. The whole idea is to build this global movement around this idea and this concept of fear of Vana and, and, and create multiple products and services. So sort of like what Richard Branson did with Virgin, but unlike Virgin, I'm not looking to get into sort of mobile or air, or air travel, staying in the space of, of mental, spiritual, physical well-being. So eventually there'll be a fear of Vana fitness, fear of Vana festivals, fear of Vana retreats, fear of Vana adventures, a whole ecosystem under this concept and this idea of fear of Vana to help people develop a positive relationship to suffering in order to do three things, find, live, and love their worthy struggle. That's what I call it. Your path in life, the, the, the purpose you are meant to be here for, I call it your worthy struggle because it will be hard. But the question is like, my worthy struggle is different from not everybody needs to ski. Like you might not want to ski across Antarctica or whatever, then that's cool. That's not your worthy struggle, but whatever, you know, it might be playing chess, playing the guitar, playing basketball, whatever it may be. Finding, living and loving that worthy struggle, who you are, who you want to be. That's the essence of a fulfilling and meaningful life. And that's what we want. And the core, the key to doing that is, to first recognize that the suffering in the journey is not bad. So that's why the, the foundation is developing a positive relationship to suffering in order to then find, live and love your worthy struggle. That's what the world of fear of honor is designed to do. That's beautiful, man. That's inspiring as fuck. That is. That's fantastic. Thank you, brother. I love what you're doing, man. And Thank you, man. There's a, there's, there's a very, very, very key point in there, I think, that you said about things like, and it's completely true, I completely agree with that, is it's like it's about what ex experts i'm doing the quotations access to be an audio <laughs> experts say about things like uh, anxiety and fear these sorts of things and it's just like is it can cripple people but it's just like the way is like i would view is like when i experience that i don't have obviously you don't have anxiety you experience the feeling that feels like what's called anxiety yeah. it's just yeah. like for me that's just like oh this is the way then it's just like it's like that's it's like you're looking at that as part of your compass is to show you where to go. And it's like, and this is where it's like always, always the big thing for me is like one of the, like a, a value is like courage because it's, it's not easy stuff to do for anybody. And it's just like, it actually takes fucking courage, but you only get to activate that courage when you're up against those kind of those feelings and those kind of your, whatever that is, is like, there's just so many different levels of how that looks like for somebody, something that might be super easy for one person 
could be someone's worst fucking pain. It's just like, we're all kind of individual in that, but like yeah. when it's like those feelings of fear and kind of and anxiety that come up, it's just like, ah, oh, this is a direction. This is where I get to activate my courage and, and kind of and lean into this direction. And, it, and it's just like, yeah, and it kind of, this is where I also say, like, let it be messy. Like sometimes don't try and be fucking perfect. Don't try and look like you've got all your shit together all the time. It's just like, sometimes it might, it's going to feel fucking messy. And this yeah. is why it's like where sometimes it's like, I always think like is where logic goes out the window sometimes because when you're trying to use the logic all the time, when you're in that experience, when it's like, when it's kind of messy, if you're being stripped back or you're shedding parts of self or whatever, or to, to kind of move forward into growth, it's just like, that's going to be fucking messy. And it's just like how you approach that and how you respond to that and how you even frame that in your own mind of how that looks is like super important. So I think that piece where you said there about things like anxiety and shit is like so fucking important for people to hear because it's just like, it's like use it. It's going gonna, it's gonna to show up. It's part of the human experience, but yeah. it doesn't have to be a bad thing. No. It can be wonderful. It can it be is. absolutely I think that's another thing as well. Is just like again, it's like fine from the military thing because you always make, you've always got to make good of like what's a seemingly bad situations. Right, you got to flip the negative into something you can use yeah. or into yeah. a positive. It's not being like fake positive. It's yeah. kind of like is is just like okay, this is the experience. This is what's going on. Like, let how can I flip this and use it to my favor to go forward rather than actually it control me and actually take over me. Absolutely. One of the core mantras in the Marines was embrace the suck. So <laughs> life sucks in many ways when you're in the military, whether it's in training or war, but embrace the suck. And it's not going to like you're it's war is a stressful environment. It's going to be yeah. embrace. It's that's the, that's not a bad thing. You know, stress can be absolutely beautiful. you need stress. So just so much as you need recovery it's like on a physical level, you know, you, how do you get stronger? You stress the muscles out and yeah. then you recover them. So it's about balancing the two edges of those dualities, right? Like stress, you need too much recovery is a bad thing as is too much stress, but stress in and of itself is not bad. You need to stress the body to get it stronger. Similarly, you need to stress the mind and the spirit. So embrace it, seek it even, not just embrace it, but seek it as a vehicle to attain that next greatest version of yourself, to attain that next awakening. That's fantastic. And I love like bringing that, the, the spiritual aspect into that from like from a military and veteran perspective as well. It's like, that's... Uh... I find that's like uh, super useful. Um, I think it's like where where can people find you, buddy? I think like where we're, we're kind of we're kind of good now coming to an end. It's yeah. like where can people find you if they want to look you up? Uh, I'm on social media, Instagram primarily at Fearvana. That's F-E-A-R-V-A-N-A. You can find me at Fearvana.com. I share my adventures on there. And the book is available on Amazon and Kindle paperback and Audible. And uh, as I mentioned, all the profits go to charity as well. So you can find me anywhere there. That's fantastic. Dude. I love the part. It's like that, um, that giving back part, isn't it? I think we spoke about this last time just to finish off is like where part of the struggle of leaving was like when you're in service, to something bigger than you it's just like when you come back it's kind of like i don't have that now then you're kind of consumed by yourself it's just like yeah. it's, it's like you you have this requirement and it's in a need to be to be of service in such a bigger way and to kind of this need like just just huge portal like to give back um, mm -hmm. i think that's such an important um aspect for anyone isn't it so it's like where it's to connect to something that's actually bigger than you and kind of bigger than your bullshit that actually helps yeah. you as a growth tool to kind of get over, you. Right, your own head, over exactly. Yeah, absolutely. 
it gets you out of your own head and puts you in a space putting that. I mean, it's one of the most valuable things you can do for yourself is when you serve others. And there's also neurological validity to it. It helps release oxytocin, which is the quote unquote love hormone in the brain, which has been proven to help people move through fear. It doesn't eliminate the experience of fear, but it helps you move through it. So it's just, I mean, on a moral level, it's a good thing to do to help others, but even on a selfish neurological level, it's a valuable thing to do. I, I think that's a thing for men as well, like men who maybe not be as fortunate as I would say to have military experience and might not have that kind of be more clear to them is like there's something in, in, in men to like where there's there's something we want to bring to the world, there's something we want to give, there's like that, that sense of purpose and meaning yeah. that we have to figure out and to actually bring that into a sense of, into service. And it's like that thing of like solving it's like what problem in the world would you would you would you want to solve and it's like it's like be the person that can fucking go out and do that because like why the fuck yeah. not absolutely brother yeah cool mate this has been an absolutely epic uh conversation i fucking loved it buddy. it's been awesome likewise man thank you thank uh, you, appreciate you for being the uh breaking the cherry of the podcast as well and being the first guest <laughs> but i'm very glad that that's a veteran I'm, I'm honored brother thank you for having me man and I massively, massively appreciate your time. Um, so guys, it's like if you if you go and check out those socials, um, go give them a follow and, and see what he gets up to next and, and be inspired. Thanks for listening.